Welcome to Let's Talk About It. I'm here with Kit Bender. The one and the only. Mm-hmm. Tay Mocha in his house as well. That's myself. Um, Your in street third, name? In third person, but my like cat alter ego. Have you ever explained on the podcast where the name Tay Mocha comes from? I haven't. I think you should maybe try that. Tay Mocha, which has been your Instagram handle as long as I remember. Yeah, and my Twitter. And your Twitter. They're the, they're the only Insta- They're the only handles I've ever had, actually. Is it because you love chocolate so much? Is it because I'm brown? <laughs> <laughs> Is what most people think. Um, but no, I'm Taymoka because uh, my like first cat that I ever got, uh, I adopted her and her brother, and her name was Mocha, and. They were, we adopted them right next to a Starbucks and I wanted to name one star and the other bucks, but (laughs) (laughs) I was five. Who vetoed that? Uh, Mom. Okay. Good decision. Thanks mom. Um, Star and bucks. Yeah. And so the girl kitten, um, I named her Mocha because it was the only drink I knew at Starbucks uh, that my mom would drink. And the boy was? And the boy was star. Oh, star. Okay. (laughs) Latte and Mocha. (laughs) Star and Mocha. Um, And Star actually died on my first snow day, which was very traumatizing. It doesn't snow very often here in Seattle. And back then, uh, it really hadn't snowed frequently at all in the city. It was a huge deal. And yeah, he passed away on my first snow day. And then we had really only had him for like over two years, maybe. It wasn't that long. And then I had Mocha as my sister, my twin, my baby girl, a little for cat like spirit animal, yeah, for like eighteen years. Oh wow! Yeah, so when we, uh, when my mom met my stepdad Jason, and they were married, and we all moved in together, um, the internet and stuff was like more and more happening, and I was getting older, and um, Jason was like making me an email account, and he was like, "Hey, what do you want your email to be?" And I was like. <laughs> like eight-year-old Taylor at this point, <laughs> nine, maybe 10. And I was like, well, it's going to be me and Mocha. So the first half of my name and the first half of her name, because I call her Mocha Joe. Okay. So it became Tay Mocha. And okay. I've been, that's been like my thing ever since. Most people go through a phase where at some point in their life, they say, oh, I don't need that email address that they had with AOL or was it a Hotmail? Uh, I want to say it was actually Tamoka at Verizon.net. At Verizon? Oh, wow. I want to say it was a Verizon. Yeah. <laughs> and it's Email most, does not exist anymore. Most people find a way to use their whole name in their email, and, and you just, you kept it. Yeah, kept I mean. It in honor of Mocha. Yeah, like that's basically my version of getting a tattoo, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's having, it's just... having all your handles named after your cat. <laughs> yeah, but it's because it's like so at the heart of like who I am, you know? That's like, um a crazy cat lady and always will be and I'm proud to be, you know? How do you think uh, Lily, who's wandering around here somewhere, how do you think Lily feels about not having her name as part of this? No, it doesn't work like that. (laughs) Mocha's OG. Mocha Joe is my OG (laughs) girlfriend. Um, Got it. So, yeah, Lily and I, we're we're developing a relationship more and more. It's only been about three years since I've had her and... Now that I've lost Theo, um, it's just us girls now. And so we're entering a new stage of our lives together. And, you know, we're just, we're bonding, bonding more and more every day. But, yeah, I feel like anyone who knows me knows that, like, 
the crazy cat lady in me is really at the heart of who I am. And I think, you know, I mean, it's, it's such a silly thing. Like, oh, I'm a crazy cat lady. Like, every girl says that. But they're really not. They just like cats. <laughs> and Yes. Yeah. It almost at some point, like, there was a long time where crazy cat lady was like, the person who was really old and never married or whatever. They had these mm-hmm. different stereotypes that it doesn't have now. Mm-hmm. And now it feels like a lot of people are like, I'm a crazy cat lady. Yep. But I don't I don't think they understand like the, the full like code red craziness <laughs> that is the cat lady of Tamoka. Yeah, that or, you know, it's used <laughs> to like make fun of girls, you know? Yeah. I mean, they're cat guys as well. I don't want to leave the guys out here because they definitely, I think, get made fun of for really loving cats. But, you know, I, I might think, be on the verge. I might be on the verge. You, no, you, you just are. You're just not as public with it. You're just not as open about it as I am. That's true. If I, <laughs> if I posted as many videos of my cat that I wanted to post, <laughs> it actually might make my Instagram way more cool. <laughs> it actually yeah, <laughs> I think uh, actually that's how you could increase your following, Kit. Oh. I bet you people listening right now are like, I'd follow him if he posted his cat more. Okay, well, if, follow me and send me a message asking to see my cat and I will gladly oblige. That sounds like it could be dirty. That's, that it, it sounded way better in my head before I said it than it did after I said it. Um, so <clears throat> what I'm thinking we should talk about today um, no, a less planned out episode for today, just in terms of like where we want to go. So leaving the topic really just open to wherever it takes us, which is, you know, kind of how these conversations come up in life anyway. Right. Who knows where we'll go. <laughs> yes. Usually something happens and then it triggers something in us and then one of us puts on our, our friend, friend of his pants. Yeah. Yep. And then we chat about it. So uh, we're, we're going to chat about it. So what's our what's our next step here? What's the first thing on the thought? On the docket. Docket. So first thing I wanna share with everyone. Um last episode I kind of like shared a little quote, a little takeaway. Um that was from a book and I have another one, a little saying that's kind of like been in my head and something I've thought about a lot. And apparently Lily has too. Oh. <laughs> there she is. She is. <laughs> She's really wanting some attention because I didn't give it to her all day or anything. So the, the phrase that's really sticking with me is, your mind's thoughts are disturbed by its fears. Your mind's thoughts are disturbed by its fears. Okay. Mm. What does that initially say to you? Hmm initially says don't always trust everything you think Mm -hmm. because your mind's biased Mm -hmm. i mean what's it say to you we can we can pull back to uh that um analogy that we talked about really really um about how sometimes fear can and should be a passenger in the car but not a driver yeah and but sometimes episode one yeah was that episode one emotional intelligence emotional intelligence uh but even if a, if uh, fear is a passenger in a car, it can be sometimes a really, really bad backseat driver mm-hmm. and can be very vocal. Even if you're driving, mm-hmm. even if you haven't let it drive, it can still nag. It can still, it can and, still disturb. But I think it's also important to remember that the its motives, fears, motives are generally good. It's trying to protect you. It's trying to 
to, to keep you safe, but it's often going on incomplete information. It's going off of hurt or trauma or, or something like that. So the fear is trying to protect you. Yes. And that that keeps us back from experiencing a lot of things that mm-hmm. really when we're letting fear drive our decisions, when we're letting fear protect our hearts, we're really closed to actually experiencing life and connection and love. Um, that makes it really, we, we start to experience those things in a very skewed reality, I think. And that's kind of what this is saying. It's like, yeah, our thoughts are going to become disturbed because it's from this biased lens of this fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just going to say that, that fear can become a lens by which we see yeah. everything, contained everything. Yeah. Um, the other thing it, it makes me think uh, is it reminds me of what happens often in a meditation practice. Where once, mindful man's coming back. Whoa, whoa, we got <laughs> mindful man back in the house. Well, once you sit with your own thoughts for long enough, you start to realize which ones uh, keep coming around the mountain. Mm-hmm. Which, which ones just kind of won't settle? Which ones that when they pop into your brain, you want to be like, I'll think about anything mm-hmm. other than that. Yeah, what because, thoughts are you pushing down? Are you right. avoiding dealing with? And I think, you know, on, on some level, most of us have some of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and What do you think yours is? Can you think of one? Um, I don't, I mean, not off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. I would have to, I would have to really like, I want to like take a second to think about that. Like what thoughts do we find ourselves repeatedly pushing down or saying we'll deal with later because it's uncomfortable or it's fear trying to protect us? I think um, now that now that I just had a couple seconds there, um, I think lately one thing that this is something we've talked about mm-hmm. um, is, that, is I've been I've been going back a little bit more into my. My, my childhood mm-hmm. and yeah. and trying to give um, you gave me some really really great advice as I was talking to you about uh, about something the other day and, and you you basically said I need to give a voice to my like inner my child. child self my inner child mm-hmm. and not just what I think about it because I, I noticed I was really really good at going back and saying okay this is the situation that happened and this is the way I, as a child, responded to it. This is the reality mm-hmm. that it created in my mind. And I can think of it now and be like, it didn't mean that. It wasn't, mm-hmm. it, they weren't, it, I was... Because I, your adult I, brain My adult can, brain can go like, that wasn't a big deal. It, yeah. um, but my child brain was, uh, was sometimes really, really hurt and traumatized mm-hmm. by it. And so just trying to get back and, and, and experience that, um, or, or even just give, give uh, space for yeah. that, for that voice to say, this made me feel like this. Yep. Even though the and other part of my brain is like, it wasn't that big a deal, you know? Mm-hmm. There's still that part of me that had yep. to go, oh, that sucked. Mm-hmm. That, re- that cut really, really deep. And so yeah. one thing I noticed is um, a, a running theme was that I, was, I, I, I often felt, as I was, uh, the memories that would come up about my childhood, was there was this, um, this, this sense of this lack of belonging, Mm-hmm. And it comes from a lot of reasons. There was an, ado- an adoption in there, and just kind of mm-hmm. part which of it just do, being. Which we should talk about. We at should some do point. An, an, an episode on adoption. Yeah, because um, I, me, and, and five of the six kids in my family were adopted. Yeah, and they're all we're all just like really interesting, strong personalities. Mm-hmm. But my strong personality is like a a, a, a 
quiet, laid Peacemaker. back, stay out of everyone's way kind mm-hmm. of strong personality. And and while I can be very kind and empathetic, I can also uh, I, I can be ignored really easily, yeah. uh, especially in a, in a family where there were strong yeah. personalities that were really loud personalities. Mm-hmm. And and you kind of get into this this rhythm of. Whoever speaks the loudest and has the the, the uh-huh. strongest opinion is the one that you, you kind of mm-hmm. listen to, yeah. Uh, or the, the family could just. And so there wasn't that sense of like belonging for you, or yes, that that your inner child felt like like he belonged. Yes, and so what I what I realized is a lot of the fear that I have uh, now, and a lot mm-hmm. of the places that I go, like what are, what are these what are these places of fears that I have to like move into that you've been kind of just yeah and i realize a lot of it has to do with how i assert myself how i project my own sense of self my own creativity Mm -hmm. into the world i feel like i've been like maybe to an annoying extent been like pushing that of you when like we're doing something or we're out somewhere and someone says something and i know you want to say (laughs) that that's not what you want or that you want something different and i like look at you and i'm like kit Mm mm-hmm speak up. Yeah. I'm like, don't worry. Even with me, I think it was like, I was going to make something for dinner or something. And I don't remember. And, and I was just like, no kit, tell me what you want. Yeah. Well, and th- that's like, that's you're like, not going to be uh, difficult. Right. Right. But there's the fear that like, I'm going to be difficult and that's going to make it more harder for me to belong or to be loved. And I just don't want to be difficult. And I just, just, and something just as, as simple as where are we going to eat? Mm-hmm. Or what are we going to eat? Or do you want whatever? Is something that's that's it's so trivial almost. Yeah. And that, but that's a place where I have to be to remember mm-hmm. to say like in those instances I can say, you know, whatever is fine, and everyone's at peace. Or I can say like, yeah, but what I really am thinking this. Yes. But that kind of thinking and being aware of those things makes me much more aware of the other opportunities I have to just dress the way I want to dress and to to have a kind of personality and present that personality on purpose when I walk into a room Mm -hmm. instead of just being like, oh, well, I'll see what the vibe is, which is... See what everyone else is wearing. Which is like, one thing I'm really good at is like walk into a room, I can stand at the back and I can just basically figure out how to disappear. Mm-hmm. Like my personality is either I want or I want to be on the stage, I which want- is again I think that battle of the belonging. Yes, and then when you do kind of put it's like without processing it, you then kind of just completely overcompensate and go the opposite way, and are like I am going to be the absolute center of attention. Yes, it, that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it is because I figured out that mm-hmm. my place was either kind of at a distance. Or I had to create a place for myself yeah. and I could create a place for myself, even though it scared me to death. It is mm-hmm. not a part of my personality to be like, <laughs> pew, pew, your center of attention. And yet I chose a career as an yep. entertainer and as a performer. Yep. And, and that's been so good to, to push me into those places. But um, it's those little opportunities I have to uh, just assert my own sense of self Mm-hmm. onto the world around me. Yeah. Um, and not and that's worry. a good way to like, in a way, process and kind of work through that fear of not belonging, of yes. like asserting yourself. And and in a way, I think that's, that is that is changing the way that your mind then is thinking about who you are. Yes. And, you know, to kind of go back to your mind's thoughts are disturbed by its fears mm-hmm. that your mind is probably telling you all these different things about who you are and what you deserve and that you don't belong and all this, all because it's scared 
of not mm-hmm. belonging. And it's scared of that because of vulnerability. Yes. Vulnerability. I see, Tamoka, that you have a Brené Brown book sitting in front of you. Does that have anything to do with vulnerability, I wonder? I love her so much. If you guys have not checked out Brene Brown, that's B-R-E-N-E, um, she's amazing, lead researcher on vulnerability, really the first person to ever actually research vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Um, and the work, I mean, her, the one book, the first book I read was Gifts of Imperfections, amazing book. Uh, second one, Daring Greatly. And then third, Rising Strong. And then fourth, she just came out with a new one, Braving the Wilderness. And I have not yet read that one. Um, but Daring Greatly, it like Gifts of Imperfections kind of sets up the stage for all these things, you know, talking about love and belonging, talking about connection, talking about connection, uh, talking about compassion and creativity um, and how we get ourselves to the place of like a good healthy kind of love for not only ourselves, but also with being able to establish that with other people. Um, And then Daring Greatly really focuses on vulnerability and also shame as well. Um, But she discusses these different vulnerability armors that we use and the vulnerability armors are all to protect ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, what are we protecting ourselves from? Fears. So... Really, I think it kind of ties into this whole your mind's thoughts are disturbed by its fears because you are then like trying to protect yourself in all these ways and using all these vulnerability armors all just because of fear, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and the things that you're thinking about yourself, about your world, about your relationships might not be very clear. Mm. So I want us to kind of take... Have you read this one, Daring Greatly? I don't know if I read that one. Okay. Um, I listened to a couple of them on, on audio and got a lot a lot out of mm-hmm. them, but I don't think I've, I've read this one yet. Okay. I, need to. Um, I read this one like right before going on the show. Mm. And, you know, when, like, people, when I do interviews after and everything, people are always like, oh, why'd you go on the show? Why'd you go on the show? And, um, you know, a lot of it was like timing, but a big part of it was also like I was in this phase of my life of like, yeah, I want to dare greatly. I want to, I really want to challenge myself and how vulnerable, like, and not, not even how vulnerable I can be, but like how I can experience vulnerability and how I can embrace it because it can be so uncomfortable because mm. we have these fears and because we don't want to get hurt and we don't want to show our full selves and then be like, oh shit, they didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Like we have all those thoughts in our head. And so I was really in this place of like, how can I push myself with this? And to me going on the show was like, you're going to be real vulnerable. (laughs) That's going to be real tough. Um, So that that was part like, you know, going, I was like, yeah, I'm going to dare greatly. And a large part of what she talks about in the book is like, you know, it's okay. Like you're going to fall. And then the next book is like rising strong. Mm -hmm. Like when it doesn't go well and we have to pick up the pieces and we have to move forward. And it honestly, now I feel like this is the stage in my life where I'm like rising strong post everything show um it takes a long time because there's a lot of things to process um but to get into kind of what these vulnerability armors are um some of them i'm sure sound familiar and others might be like wait what do you mean by that (laughs) so first uh the first one is foreboding joy 
foreboding joy. Mm-hmm. Okay, I had a. I, I, I want to hear the official like um, her official commentary on this, and then I want to want to talk about um, a, a thought of, of about joy that I had. I'm wondering if they're connected, but I want to hear her first. So essentially, what she talks about with foreboding joy is us kind of trying to beat vulnerability to the punch and like expecting fear and shame and not actually living in those joyful moments in your life. Okay. This is what I love about Brene. That is literally <laughs> what I was about to say. I was like, I was sitting here all set up and I was like, I don't, I, before I even brought up the book, I was like, here's the important thing. Mm-hmm. If you have your, your, if you think of your thought as, uh, as a, say a, a lake, Mm-hmm. And it's you want it to be still, and you don't want the waves that would come from some any kind of you know. So if you throw a rock in it, you don't want that kind of disturbance. And I was like, one of the things it does is when we get really afraid of that disturbance, is we shut down on the joy because those mm-hmm. things are connected. And we say, yep. I'm not going to allow myself to push into an experience of joy or into a thing of happiness that I think I may deserve because I am afraid of something else. I notice it's in myself all the time. Yep. It's when I first read this, I was like, yep, that's a hundred percent what I do. Mm-hmm. I always like, and she gives some really good examples. Um, cause she did all this research and worked with a lot of different people. Um, and so some of the examples that people gave when, uh, they asked her or when she asked them, uh, when they felt the most vulnerable, people said things like, uh, when I stand over my children while they're sleeping, mm. um, spending time with my parents, getting engaged, having a baby, being happy, thinking about my relationship with my boyfriend, acknowledging how much I love my husband or wife, loving my job, knowing how good I've got it, falling in love, falling in love, Mm. Uh, falling in love. Here's what I notice sometimes happens though. I think sometimes people get... uh, they get burned because they have an expectation about or they have a projection about the way a thing could be. A thing could give me this much joy if I give into it. But they, because they don't give into it, they're all, they end up living kind of in a dysfunctional, maybe like say if it was a relationship where they see potential in the relationship mm-hmm. and they're, they, they're living maybe with that potential but it, it can still be a really unhealthy relationship. And so it ends up being this, this, this turmoil, but it's not a place where they're actually experiencing joy. They're just experiencing the potential of it. Does that make sense? Kind of. How do you think that plays a role in like foreboding joy? Because... That like you have the image of it and the image of it may not even be reality, but you're still so scared for that image. So then you... What? Yes, partially that, okay. but also partially that uh, sometimes we don't, because we haven't let ourselves experience much joy sometimes, we don't really know what, the, what true joy is. Yeah, because that's a really scary place to get to. Because it's a really scary place mm-hmm. to get to. So we hold on to sometimes really dysfunctional things or we get in, caught in our brain or we try to maybe hold on to someone that gives us joy mm-hmm. or that we think gives us or gives us the potential of joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we confuse that with saying, oh, I'm pursuing joy. But sometimes you're just, you're pursuing the potential of it, 
but not actually living in it. Sometimes we just got to let go of those things so that we can say, wait, what, what is it that actually gives me joy? What are the people that actually mm-hmm. inspire me? Where are the situations where I am really alive? Well, I mean, that's essentially getting into like the shoulds. You know, like when yes. we look at these things, some of them that were mentioned, like getting promoted or getting engaged, some of those things we might look at as like, when those things happen to you, that's the most joy you're going to feel. You're going to be so filled with joy. Yes. However, when you really take a step back, that might actually not be what it is that would make you happy. Um, but what what Brene gets at with this is that when we're foreboding joy, when we're saying, you know, uh, like we can look at those experiences and say that's when we feel the most vulnerable. And so the vulnerability armor at play then is essentially minimizing the vulnerability in that joy. Um, Sometimes what we do is like we rehearse these terrible things that could happen. Mm. So like for me, I can think, you know, there are days when I'm driving on I-5 and I have the top down and the mountains out and I'm just driving, going I-5 south and you can see Mount Rainier and it's the most beautiful thing. At the top down, it's so warm out, I'm jamming out and I just am filled with joy. And I am just like, oh my God, I have got it so good. I love my life so much. There's nowhere else I'd rather be. This is so amazing. And in the same split second, I'm like, a truck's going to hit me and I'm going (laughs) to get pushed off the road and I'm going to die. Yeah. Yeah. That's literally the thought. And so I I wrote something in, uh, I think it's in my previous journal, not this one, but I literally had to just write out, I deserve this. Mm -hmm. Whatever life I'm living that I keep just loving, I got to be like, it's okay. I don't have to wait for it to all fall apart. Yeah. Stuff's going to happen. But- we try to prepare ourselves for that. And that's where mm-hmm. the foreboding joy comes in because we're trying to prepare ourselves of like, we're not going to, I'm not going to sit in that moment any longer because now I just need to prepare myself for the fact that a truck's going to hit me and I'm going to get driven off the road. Yeah. And so it's like this perpetual disappointment that we experience. And it's almost kind of on like an unconscious level. We don't always realize that we're doing it, but when you take that step and like you actually start to feel that happiness, you start to feel that joy, I really encourage you to sit with it. And mm-hmm. the thing that uh, Brene says in order to combat that vulnerability armor of foreboding joy is to practice gratitude. Mm-hmm. So in those moments where we feel like we're trying to like beat it to the punch, we're trying to be like, oh, no. I'm not going to be happy about this because, you know, this could happen. Like my baby looks beautiful and is sleeping and I'm so happy, but she could die right now. Right. Oh my God. And then what would I do? And then just stop for a second and practice some gratitude. Maybe take a, take a note or two from mindful man over here on, (laughs) on being present (laughs) and really just, just letting yourself feel that joy. And I think a large part of foreboding joy and not wanting to experience that vulnerability is not thinking is thinking that we don't deserve that happiness. Right. Right. We accept the love we think we deserve. How about we let ourselves feel the joy we think we deserve? Absolutely. And there's a I, I've studied a little bit in the last year or so the um, the philosophy of Stoicism, and one of their um, one of their ways of actually do it of opening up to the joy. Is is simultaneously allowing uh, the brain to, yes, uh, recognize those those points of joy and being able to experience. But one of the ways they do it is by also learning to take the time to sit with the fears, 
to when your mind is going does mm-hmm. want to go worst case scenario. Sometimes you just got to sit with it and and be like, okay, well, what's the worst that could happen? Mm-hmm. And then you realize what I have, what you have control over, and what you don't have control over. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes being at peace with that a little and, yeah, bit. Yeah, and then you're like, yeah, a truck could hit you while you're driving, but you're following all the rules that you can. But also, then wouldn't you want to sit in that moment of joy for as long as you could? Yes, but and some. Say, but when it gets overwhelmed by that fear, at some point, even just as a practice, there can be something to to not not be overwhelmed with it most of the time. But it's maybe at some point. Just be like, this keeps coming back. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna let my mind go worst case scenario, just so I know what I have control over and what I don't have control over, and then I can let it go, and then I can just experience the joy of it, instead of repressing everything and say, oh, I'm not gonna think about anything that could go bad. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying that there's I, a balance that both of these yeah, things have I see to what be you're able saying. to like be looked at and held. Yeah, I see what you're saying, and I think for me at least, when I practice the gratitude piece that coming to terms with the worst case scenario of that fear is kind of done naturally almost. Yeah. Because when you're being so present and when you're just being thankful of like, this is the moment I'm in and I know I'm not going to be in this moment for even the next few moments. Mm. And so to me, once you start practicing that gratitude and, and you... Um, just actually allow yourself to feel that and to be in that, that it's not even that you're pushing down the fear. You're just saying that that fear isn't even a fear. Right. But you, I think in other moments, absolutely, if that's something that's reoccurring, that if every time you're going to your daughter or your son's crib and looking at them and having that second of happiness and joy, but then automatically being like, oh my God, I need to check this because what if this happens? What if this happens? And, mm-hmm. and you know, kind of setting yourself up for some kind of a disappointment and not letting yourself experience that joy, then to definitely maybe take that approach and, you know, be like, okay, why am I really scared of this? And is this really realistic? And kind of doing a reality check with yourself right. and doing the right. worst case scenario kind of thing. And some of that can be, I think, personality too, uh, where we'll have a natural tendency. I think uh, from what I know about you and your brain, you'll, your brain will have a more natural tendency to think through all the options of a thing and to, to go to the different um, paths that it can go. I really do do that. I love to think over yes. all the options of everything, especially when it comes to my food. <laughs> that's good food's very important i'm very particular about my food as well yeah right like if you're going to be picky about something it should definitely be about your food which is why i love using sun basket they're one of my favorite uh like delivery meal companies that i get um they deliver the meal kits right to your door it makes eating healthy so easy and even like cooking it just makes the whole thing way easier and what I love about it is that it's all actually organic, clean ingredients. Um, and they do give you so many options. You have 18 healthy options to choose from every week. Um, Kit, I don't know if you remember, but we made like a quinoa veggie burger the other week. And it was so, so good. So I highly recommend using Sun Basket uh, to go over some of your options for the week in terms of meals and how you can actually eat healthy and also feel good about it, like enjoy the healthy food. Um, you guys can go to sunbasket.com slash Taylor today to learn more and get $35 off your first order, which is such a deal. Uh, that's sunbasket.com slash Taylor for $35 off. Go to sunbasket.com slash Taylor.
So sometimes having a bunch of options and thinking over all of them is super great Mm -hmm. and can help you, you know, get to a better place. But then sometimes I think we can get so like just turned up in our head about what option we need to take and what option we should take. And that sometimes it can kind of turn into a little bit of perfectionism of trying to make sure that we're doing what's going to be absolutely perfect. Mm. And that's the second vulnerability uh, armor that Brene talks about is perfectionism. So, I mean, what do you think of when you think of perfectionism? I think of an ideal and I think of a a self-expectation. Okay. So... I'm going to read some of these from the book um, just because they feel like they're very powerful. And I think that perfectionism has to do a lot with the shoulds. And I think those are so prevalent and so common um, and can be very intense in our heads sometimes. Mm -hmm. So hopefully you guys take away as much from this as, as I have when I've read this. Perfectionism is not the same thing as striving for excellence. Perfectionism is not about healthy achievement and growth. Perfectionism is a defensive move. It's the belief that if we do things perfectly and look perfect, we can minimize or avoid the pain of blame, judgment, and shame. Perfectionism is not self-improvement. Perfectionism is at its core about trying to earn approval. Most perfectionism... Most perfectionists grow up being praised for achievement and performance. Somewhere along the line, somewhere along the way, they adopted this dangerous, debilitating belief system. I am what I accomplish and how well I accomplish it. Please perform perfect. Healthy striving is self-focused. How can I improve? Perfectionism is other-focused. What will they think? Perfectionism is a hustle. And then she goes on to say, perfectionism is not the key to, su- to success. In fact, research shows that perfectionism hampers achievement. It's correlated with anxiety, depression, addiction, and life paralysis or missed opportunities. The fear of failing, making mistakes, not meeting people's expectations, and being criticized keeps us out of the arena where healthy competition and striving unfolds. So much, just the things that like just make the most sense and you're just, you just read it and you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I should know puts, better. I should know better than to answer a question that Brene's about to answer because my answer is always going to fall way, way, way short. <laughs> like that was, no. you set me up. You set me up to look kind of like an idiot there. No, no. I'm just <laughs> I'm like, kidding, what I'm do kidding. we think <laughs> of perfection be, perfectionism being? Um, but the one thing that I, I you know, uh, two episodes ago, I recorded with Kayla Quinn from uh, Ben's season of The Bachelorette and from Paradise. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I never really felt like I was able to understand her. And I had to think America felt the same way watching her because she just seemed like this super happy, bubbly person. And it came across as fake to some people. Mm. And so I wanted to, like, challenge myself. You know, I met her a few times and she was, like, super nice. And, um, you know, just I was like, okay, yeah, that's her. And I was like, you know, I really want to, like, dig deeper into this. And I want to move in closer because I know that there's other parts to her. And I might be able to feel like I can actually relate to her better. And who knows? Could be someone I actually really connect with. Um, and one of the, of the things that she talked about so much was this pressure from her parents. And I think that that's so, she's so not alone in that. Mm -hmm. Um, in the sense, you know, she kept repeating that like her, 
parents would always tell her, like, whatever you do, you're going to be the best at it. You're going to be the best at whatever it is that you do. And so she kind of felt the need to live up to that expectation. And when we look at perfectionism here, I mean, please perform, perfect, feeling like you need to please people all the time and putting on this face even maybe that doesn't Mm. feel authentic or performing like you constantly need to be doing things to make other people happy and then perfect that you literally need it to be absolutely perfect in order to be worthy of love and belonging in order to uh, get approval from other people in order to be a, a valuable human being almost is what perfectionism says right which is it's un, unreasonable. It's uh, and that that's where I'll get back to the expectation, where mm-hmm. where it does feel like there's an expectation that starts from other people, yeah. where someone else says you're going to do this and it's, it should be this way, and then eventually that well-worn groove of a record inside our brain mm-hmm. starts developing its own voice, yeah. and we start telling ourselves, "No, you can't do this unless it's perfect." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean what. You know, again, kind of going back to the boxes that we've talked about in past episodes, um, specifically that episode that we did uh, when I spoke at the Active Minds conference, you know, we put our, try to put ourselves in so many boxes, you know, like we're being told messages from so many different areas in our lives that we should be this, that we need to be this, and to really just take the second and like appreciate what and who you are. And that's how she says to kind of combat this vulnerability armor is through appreciating the beauty of the cracks essentially self-kindness mm. practicing you know self-compassion which we also did an episode on uh, <laughs> this is kind of an episode <laughs> about the episodes apparently <laughs> um but with the self-compassion of you know, having that self-kindness, um, understanding that there's a common humanity shared between all of us um, and being mindful, you know, practicing all of those things can help you really move past that, that place of so much pressure to be perfect. Right. Because I think we'll always find that perfect is a moving target. It's a thing that you can never quite... It's exhausting. It's, it, you can never quite dial in exactly what it is you're aiming for. And you never, you never can reach it. Right. And, and that doesn't say that you're a failure. That doesn't mean that you're not good enough. It's just, it's an unrealistic standard. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a, oh. it's a thing that if we hold on to that, and if we hold on to it, it, gets, it, can, be, it can be tangible. If mm-hmm. I get... Ugh, we try to make it all these external things. And again, that's where she's saying it's for others. Whereas, uh, you know, self-striving, striving for healthy uh, achievement is what can I do? Right. But because what, it is, it has some sort of tangibility, mm-hmm. it can sometimes keep us from getting to the real deep thoughts or the real deep fears or those places where we're vulnerable because we can, mm-hmm. we, we can have something on the external world. It's like, oh, okay. I have my degree. Will, whatever. Yeah. I was valedictorian. You know, you yeah. can like say those those things yeah. that, yeah. Ugh. Perfectionism, that's a, that one goes deep. There's a lot of boxes there. <laughs> um, but her, the last vulnerability armor that I think, huh, this one, I mean, all of them, we use all of them at different points, you know, when different things happen in our lives. Um, the foreboding joy one I know is the one I do the absolute most. Um, and the third one here is one I've seen a lot in my family. Um, but I think 
I've made a pretty good overcompensation <laughs> in doing the opposite. Okay. So numbing. Mm, okay. And I feel like I really push myself to feel all the feels. I'm a, quite an emotional person, very open with my emotions. Um, so yeah, numbing. And the thing that, that she talks about here that just sits with me so much, and I've had so many conversations with friends about this, is uh, she says one of the most universal one of the most universal numbing strategies is what she calls crazy busy. Mm, yeah. And I have had so many conversations where I'm like, you know, you can cancel that. You don't have to go do that. Yeah. What, do you, what are you going to do for you? And that's a scary question to ask yourself because then you got to face your shit. Right. You're going to have to sit with yourself for a second. And when you're so crazy busy... The way you're really doing is numbing and avoiding everything else that's going on inside you. And it's become so socially not just accepted, but almost yes. normal. That mm-hmm. like if if you're if you're rocking in the free world, if you're living the American dream or living your best self, you're just gonna be, you know, balls to the wall or whatever mm-hmm. you have to the wall. Um, filling up your whole calendar because that's when you're really that's when you know you're you're really making it. Mm-hmm. Um but that's often not the case. Uh, often the case is, is when we can figure out how to work smarter, not harder, and give ourselves time to be healthy and to, to, to take care of ourselves, and, <laughs> and, and not just not become numb. overwhelmed by it. Yeah, mm-hmm. in a way to numb. Yeah, and one point that I think really can be a good motivator for, for figuring out and practicing Uh, combating this vulnerability shield is knowing that when you numb, because you numb the hurt, you numb the pain, you're also numbing the joy and the love. Mm -hmm. You can't selectively numb things. Um, You know, something she really emphasizes in her talks and also in her books um, that, you know, when we numb and close ourselves off, it's not like, oh, we just get to have all the fun we want. Like, you're numbing all of it yeah. and you're checked out. Um, and, and a lot of what that also has to do in our society with is addiction mm. and with substances because substances are, you know, our culturally acceptable way to take the edge off and, right. you know, give ourselves a break. We worked hard this week. We were crazy busy, so we deserve it. Right, right. <laughs> um, and that that's one of the most common ways that we see people numbing is through abuse of, of substances. So what's the what's the counter to the numbing? What how do we how do we combat our tendency to numb? We combat our tendency to numb by uh, setting boundaries, finding true comfort, and cultivating spirit. So essentially Learning how to actually just feel your feelings. Yes. Yeah. There's the <laughs> learn how to feel your feelings. Be mindful that you're actually trying to numb these, you know, behaviors and thoughts. Um, and then learn how to actually lean into the discomfort of the mm-hmm. hard emotions. And again, as I reflected on this book going into the show, I was like, I'm gonna lean into the discomfort. I'm just gonna lean into it. And I remember Sorry if you're not a Bachelor fan, but there was a conversation with Nick at the pool party, and that was a very like uh dramatic episode there was a lot of conflict at the pool party and um nick you know was asking me about another girl and i was like you know i'm just i'm really not comfortable going there and i don't really want to do that and 
he pulled from our previous conversation a few nights before about how I wanted to lean into the discomfort of things. And he like very manipulatively was like, you know, I just, I want you to like lean into it, you know? You know, he said that, like, I want you to lean into the discomfort. Like, it means a lot that you open up. And I was like, ooh. But here I was, I was setting my boundary. Yeah. (laughs) And then this Um, is about something that you really weren't comfortable talking about. or It was just trying to get me to like, talk crap and like you know I was like you already know what you need to do like why you know I'm not this isn't what I'm here for don't put me in this position um but (laughs) so be careful because sometimes leaning into the discomfort of things could be used manipulatively against you absolutely um that's why it's really important to also like be firm on your boundaries and assert yourself Mm -hmm. kit (laughs) yes but I think this also is uh it, it's echoing what I was talking about, maybe prematurely on the uh, um, on the the joy topic, where sometimes we we do have to to be intentional to show gratitude and to experience that joy, but but also sometimes we have to not numb the places where where we have to just admit that some things hurt. Yeah. Some, that it, it's okay to be sad sometimes. It's mm-hmm. okay to 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 realize that not ever you know that that we can live really wonderful, beautiful, exciting, mm-hmm. exhilarating, inspiring lives, and some things can still just feel off. And we need to have yeah. we have off days, and we need to cry, and we need to. Yeah, and I mean it again. This really is the episode of the episodes. Um, but what Eric Hodgson said, you know, in our yeah. thriving through grief episode, like. Yes, it's going to hurt, you know, but it can also like allowing yourself to feel that and really feel the feelings can also allow you to just really thrive and like become aware of how resilient you actually are because you are so resilient, Hmm. so resilient. Almost, almost like the more, the more you do lean into those, those fears of feeling, uh, those feelings, uh, the more you also realize your capacity to feel the mm-hmm. joy that's on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not just, I'm afraid of those, the bad, you know, quote, bad feelings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I won't experience the joy, but, but also saying, wait, no, be- I, I've, I'm, I'm allowing myself to be present even in this place that, that kind of hurts or kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. But then you, uh, in those places, can realize your tremendous capacity to also feel joy. Yeah. And, you know... We are all, I think, very worthy of actually experiencing that joy. That's like, that's the most beautiful part of life. Um, and it sounds so cheesy, but it's so true. Uh, you know, in the book, Brene lists a few other uh, vulnerability shields, but those are the three most common ones. Um, and, you know, I think to like take a second to like really reflect on those and become aware of like, just that split second where you feel the butterflies or you feel mm. so thankful and you feel so happy, like to not resist that. Don't numb it. Don't try to say it's not enough and don't, you know, just say that, it, that it could be ruined, you know, right. like I, I think life can be so ridiculous sometimes. Sometimes it just wants to throw shit after shit after shit at you and then you're just sitting there covered in shit <laughs> and you know we we are so resilient that we will clean all that shit up you know mm-hmm. we'll clean it all up and we gotta like take a second to like appreciate 
how clean and wonderful we look when we don't got all that shit. And even mm. to find the little pieces of ourselves through the shit. Yeah. I mean, this is just probably, you know, definitely the most appropriate analogy I could come, <laughs> I could come up with. Um, but... <laughs> just throwing shit around. Yeah, but I, I want to ask you, Kit, if there's been an experience, perhaps over the weekend, um, that... Is she serious? Lily is up on the kitchen counter Uh-oh. being a bad girl. Because we're, we're ignoring her. We're just over here talking. These funny uh, looking Lily, things. be good with yourself. You don't need this external validation. <laughs> She's just trying to get attention. <laughs> um, I just want to comment real quick. I think you know, Brené Brown has such really great stuff and, and we went through a couple of things in here. I'll also just recommend, especially for... Oh, she's all the way up on the fridge now. She's on top of my fridge. Adventure Kitty. Okay. Continue with your uh, recommendation. Um, there's, a, there's another book that I read recently which follows a lot of the same, um, a lot of the same concepts. Um, but for our male listeners, you may really be interested in a book by Lewis Howes called The Mask of Masculinity. Ooh, yes. We talked about that in our Stereotypes we Masculinity talked, Yeah, episode. we did. A little bit. We didn't get uh, too mm-hmm. much into it, but um, uh, Lewis Howes was a great podcast called The School of Greatness. I've been mm-hmm. listening to it for years. Um, but he breaks down a lot of those, those things about foreboding joy and about numbing and all those things, yeah. but he does it really specifically through the lens of the way that the masculine energy tends to put up shields, mm. either through, um, through it, its, its sense of sexuality or through its sense of like being Power. macho or wh- whatever those things. And he has a, a whole bunch mm. of them, which, you know, of course, are going to be different for everybody, but um, for mm-hmm. especially the guys out there or if, um, or, or if you just... You, you females just, who want to share it with the men in your life. Yeah, or, or just, or even I, I think a lot of females would even benefit from reading it and going like, here's someone, there's someone with a very strong masculine presence Absolutely. is going to tend towards if they're trying to put up shields of their, their yeah. vulner, around their vulnerability is probably going to tend towards a few of those and just mm-hmm. understanding them yeah. will, will allow you to give them a tremendous amount of grace mm-hmm. because give them space to actually feel what they're feeling yes and yeah. not, and not, in, not in a confrontational or an accusational way but mm-hmm. um, even the way that Lewis wrote it he wrote it in a way that um, even you know, it, it's not just for guys, but yeah. someone someone could read it and then just have a much more thorough understanding of what guys or, and or people that, that are expressing themselves very masculinely mm-hmm. are dealing with and those kind of masks that we yeah. put, on, put on. So anyway, you were asking I love that. No, thank you so much for sharing that. I think that's so important and I wish we had some more time to get more into that. Um, probably in another episode. <laughs> we, we, we do keep saying, and I, I do have to go reread the book because it's been a couple months. But yeah. It was a, it was a good and I read. have to actually read it. Yeah. Um, I haven't read it yet, but Lily's off the fridge. Okay. I, got, I got her down. She's Yourself. good. Um, <laughs> I haven't like been home all day giving her attention or anything. No. Um, she's, see, you know, I've been <laughs> reflecting a lot on my only child syndrome and she's now experiencing only cat syndrome. So like we're just, it's, it's you know, She's she's in ways a reflection of me. That's because I think on some level our our feline companions are little like spiritual mirrors. Yeah. Of us. And we could do a whole episode little, on little cats. Buddha cats that mm-hmm. just uh that, Absolutely. Anyway. But my my question for you question. was wanting to know if there's been a moment or an experience the last weekend or last week where you felt like just absolute joy. Where you felt 
happy, where you just felt like this vulnerable happiness? Yes. When? Okay. I, um, I did a thing recently. What thing? Where um, over the last few months, uh, partially because I was being nagged by a friend of mine, um, but I, Taylor Nolan. No, not Taylor Nolan. Actually, no. This is Yay, something it wasn't else. Me. This is not you. For once, <laughs> wait, you're not what? The you one have a me. life without me. <laughs> so I, um, I, I recently uh, went through the whole process of reacquiring a uh, motorcycle endorsement, mm-hmm. and then uh, doing a ton of research and looking, going to every bike shop in town, and then finally um, getting a motorcycle, which I, I rode many, many years ago, but it's been a long time. And it's been, it's, it, was a, it was a thing that just to go through that whole process um, and then just to think about getting on a bike, because it can be just, it, it, it can, it's a vulnerable thing. I'm You're sure there very, were some fears exposed. involved, yeah. There were a lot. You could were, die. I could die. And even just getting, being like, I haven't been on a bike in years, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this, and it's just, it, and, but I, I, I've, over the last, you know, two weeks since I've had it, really making moves where I could be like, okay, no, I could uh, talk myself out of it, but then just being like, no, it's fine. I have all the right gear. I did all the right training. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's a bike that's appropriate and fits me well. And then just getting on it and going to work the other day and just mm-hmm. cruising down the freeway on that same spot on I-5 where you just look up and you see Mount Rainier. Mm-hmm. And I feel, I feel on one hand so exposed and just kind of like, what am I doing here? But mm-hmm. mostly I'm just like exuberant just because mm-hmm. it's such a joyful thing. And just because yeah. I, I love it. I just, it was uh, as an experience, hmm. it brought me a, a ton of joy. And so also the person that was nagging me to, to get the bike was primarily doing it because they wanted something to someone to ride with. Yeah. And luckily tomorrow I'm spending the day out on a, on an Island. Yes. We're taking a ferry out and, mm-hmm. and, and going out and, and doing that, which is, um, it's going to be such a joyful day. Super, super fun. Going to these beautiful places on this, you know, thing that simultaneously just scares the hell out of me. Yeah. But, um, and so I treat it with a lot of respect, but also when mm-hmm. I just, when I get on it and I just yeah. commit to, to being there mm-hmm. with it, it it's, is the, an, an exhilarating thing on a whole other level. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we both do the foreboding, foreboding joy thing. So, and, and in that example, you know, that's what you could have been doing there, but you're letting yourself be thankful and and be present and be joyful. Um, I want to share mine. And then I really want you guys to think about, you know, a moment where you have been able to allow yourself to feel that joy, to sit with that and be present with it. And if you haven't, if you can't think of one, and after you listen to this episode, I'm sure there's got to be some point in your day, at least one point in your day where you could feel happy, feel joyful and just let that be and try to not, uh, protect yourself from that vulnerability. And if you feel like you are, and if you start to forebode joy or you're numbing or you, you see perfectionism coming into play, use those um, combatter shield things. Um, <laughs> That's the technical the, term. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> practice that gratitude, you know, practice the self-compassion, um, you know, practice those things and and I really hope that that's what you guys kind of take away from this episode today. Um, mine t- was today... I renewed my uh, LMHCA license, so Licensed Mental Health Counselor Associate in Washington State, and I um, did not renew it after the show because I wasn't able to actually practice after that, and there's so many fears involved in it. Mm -hmm. So It's so vulnerable to, like, be excited about having my license again and, like, 
renewing it and pursuing a career that's meant so much to me, but that but that felt like was lost or felt like so many negative things about how like that's not for me Mm. when it is. And I know who I am and I know what I want and I know what I'm good at. So I felt I allowed myself the space today to just feel like super happy and like proud of myself and just let that joy sit in, like let that joy sit for a second I was aware that there was definitely someone in the backseat being like, oh, but no clients are going to see you. And oh, but you're going to do terrible. And you need mental health counseling. And all those terrible things, you know, uh, that America liked to say during and after the show. Um, But it was a really, like, powerful moment for me, like, emotionally to just sit with that joy and be like, this feels right again. And it feels... Very good. So well, that was my happy moment today. Firstly, congratulations Thanks. on getting that licensing and all that. Thanks. I did. I did go in and get all the official registration and new license plate for my my bike too. So I'm, I'm yeah. licensed in a similar, <laughs> slightly different, but our, our lives are still a little different, p- parallel in a, in a in a kind of way. <laughs> some ways, <laughs> but yeah. Um, so I hope you guys really think about, uh, you know, allowing yourself to be vulnerable, to experience that connection more, not only with yourself, but with other people in your life too. Um, and work on combating those vulnerability armors cause they're going to come up and you know, it's okay that they come up because we all want to protect ourselves and it's a natural thing to do, but let's really take a look at how we can let down some of those walls and those shields and, you know, actually just experience the beautiful happiness and love of life. So cheesy, but this is where we're going to end it. (laughs) (laughs) It's a wonderful cheesy. (laughs) It's a wonderful cheesy. But lean into those those places. Don't numb too much. Uh, Experience the joy. Have some gratitude in there. It'll be great. Yeah. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening with us and chatting with us today and reflecting with us. Uh, We'd love to hear feedback from you guys. So leave a review on iTunes and, you know, let us know what you're taking away from the episode and what you want to hear more of. Um, You can also actually email us at ask.letstalkaboutit at gmail.com with topics that you want us to discuss or questions that you have. You can also find us on Instagram at letstalkaboutit underscore podcast. Have a great week, you guys, and we will talk to you next time. This podcast is brought to you by Wave Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows, including the Brain Candy Podcast, I Don't Get It, Babes and Babies, Coffee Convos, and Let's Talk About.